Audible.com is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks and choose from over 180,000 audio programs, including the memoir I Am Spock, written and narrated by the late Leonard Nimoy himself. Hi, this is Alec Peters, Captain Kelvar Garth from Axonar, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. This is Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. Joining me, as he does every single week here on Trek Geeks, he's as cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel. He's a bad banana with a greasy black peel. He's the very grinchable Dan Davidson. Dan, Merry Christmas, buddy. Can I can can you see me doing the Grinch smile? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you, buddy. Uh, it's good to be here. Always a joy to be here. Um, fun times, holiday season. We have no snow, dude. I know. It was fifty degrees today in yeah. Massachusetts where I work. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. And I was reading an article in the paper today. I'm in Portland, Maine, or just north of Portland. But I was reading the Portland paper. The long range forecast. There's nothing for the next two weeks in terms of, of snow. It's going to be in the 40s. You know what's going to happen is this is going to turn out just like Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> and Mr. Heat Miser and Mr. Snow Miser are eventually going to have a little detente, and it's going to dump buckets of snow Christmas Eve. That's my okay. prediction. Okay. Also, that's the year without a Santa Claus. Um, no, you're right. So it there. is the year without a Santa Claus. I stand oh, corrected. Oh, I'm right? Like that's a question? Yeah, there's a question every day. <laughs> That's, that's one of my favorite ones growing up. I used to love that one. Did it? Okay, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> I should have introduced you as the heat miser. That's what yes. I should have done. <laughs> yep. Well, Dan, continuing with our holiday special, today we are going to examine the Wrath of Khan with another special guest. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, very special guest. I would, I would, uh, I would say. Um, whether he's the better half or not is up for debate. No, but, it's uh, not. It, <laughs> that's, I was hoping you'd say something like that. Uh, Ken Ray uh, from the very popular Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, uh, is joining us to talk about his tradition of watching Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan every Christmas. Um, we're going to ask him some good questions about that movie and about how he got involved in Star Trek. And, and, uh, it's going to be a fun conversation. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. He's a, he's a 
quite the character, isn't he, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> he really is. Ken is such a great guy to talk to. We first met him in, in Vegas this past summer when he and, uh, and John were engaging in some cosplay, which was pretty great. We'll mention yeah. that briefly in just a moment. But, uh, but it's a great conversation with Ken. And uh, as it turns out, it's episode 42 of Trek Geeks. So yes. grab your towel and enjoy the meaning of life. It's Star Trek at Christmas time with the Wrath of Khan and Mr. Ken Ray. When we last saw this week's guest, he was in Las Vegas at STLV being confused for the legendary LQ Sonny Clemens. For years now, he's been the bringer of news on all things Apple as Mac OS Ken. Perhaps you may even know him from a little show known as Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, where each episode of Trek is analyzed for its messages, morals, and meanings. He hopes one day to have a robot body. He's the beautiful and vivacious Mr. Ken Ray, and he joins us now on the Trek Geeks podcast. Ken, welcome aboard, sir. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a, it's, it's a bigger pleasure for us, I assure you. <laughs> well, let's see how it goes. <laughs> is, is that because it's Ken and not John? Because that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> we, we have a running gag with John where we, we torment each other on and off. And we're in the on phase right now. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to come to a head when we do Lido Deck, I'm sure. I understand how it is, though, because he tried to get me to say on this week's episode of Mission Log that I like him. <laughs> there's just some things that will never happen well i mean you know <laughs> people might hear yeah so. we, we won't tell them if you say it. believe me nobody's going to hear this <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> okay nice so so ken looking at or when we talk to people we're interested at first how their particular fandom started and how they came into the tent mm -hmm. you know because we all have a different story with how we got here Right. Um, do you recall the first time you ever watched Star Trek? Uh, the first time I remember watching Star Trek was Star Trek The Motion Picture. I feel certain I must have seen it before. In fact, I know I had seen it before because the first thing I'm conscious of with Star Trek is I had some of the toys when I was a kid, like a really young kid, like five or six maybe, um, which would have been about a year, I guess, after uh, the cartoon was on. And I feel certain that's how I ended up with it. You know, either my dad or my grandparents had no idea what to get me. And so they got me Star Trek something. Um, and so there was actually, I do remember there were lots of Star Trek toys. Nothing like John, certainly. And um, nothing that I still have, unfortunately. But the first time I actually remember actively watching Star Trek was um, the motion picture. But I was nine and, it, you know, it's a slow movie. It wasn't Star Wars. It, it was cool, but it wasn't Star Wars, you know. And I didn't know who these people were. And, uh, and then uh, my aunt actually took me to the opening night of Wrath of, uh, uh, Wrath of Khan. And I was a little bit older. I was 12 at that point. And people were laughing at jokes that I didn't get. And people were saying things and responding to things. And, and it was the first time that I remember watching it and feeling like I'm, I'm missing something. I don't know when I actually started paying attention to it after that. I know if it was on in reruns, I would catch it. But I wasn't one of the people who rushed home for a certain time to watch it. Um, Wrath of Khan, though, was, was, was sort of the turning point. Was, was the point where I realized I, I, I really should pay attention. And then 
I remember actually seeing each movie after that in the theater. I can tell you who I was with. I can tell you where I was. So even though I wasn't like diehard into the show, the movies still held a lot of pull for me. And then, of course, Next Gen is really where I Next Gen was like the one where I was like, hey, I nobody knows anything about this. <laughs> so I so I can I can be just like everyone. And uh, and that totally drew me in. Huh. Well, it, I guess um, in all the mission, on all the episodes of Mission Log that you've done, because you've done a lot of them, um, mm-hmm. what has surprised you the most as you've gone through this over the over the number of years that you've been doing it? Uh, wow, that's a good question. Um, what has surprised me most? Kirk wasn't the Lothario we all thought he was. <laughs> That was the thing. I mean, there was always sort of this, there was always this idea that he was love him and leave him Kirk. And he sort of became that in season three, mm-hmm. but he was not that initially. In fact, he was, he, he was, he was married to his ship. He even talks about it. And, um, I can't remember which episode in the first season, but uh, the monologue is something like, uh, you know, I, I'd love to have a girl. You've seen my yeoman, but I have a girl and it's the enterprise. And I can't remember which one it was. That uh, would be, um, that's just, that's, is that the, uh, that's the salt. No, that's a Corbinite maneuver. Corbinite maneuver. Yep. All right, really, it's the Corbinite maneuver. Yep. Really? All right, female to worry about. It's the Enterprise. Yep. I was going to guess enemy within, but all right, cool. Um, wow, Corbinite maneuver, huh? That's my favorite episode of of the original series. Yeah, well, mine too. I'm actually embarrassed that I missed that. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was one of the things. Also, it was amazing to find out we 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 sort of decided that we were going to just blow through the animated series. That was the other thing we decided we we're going to we're going to do two per, and and that still makes sense because they're only twenty two minutes, twenty three minutes each. Mm-hmm. We decided we we're going to do two episodes per just to get through, and we almost started off by apologizing to people, <laughs> you know, saying we're we're trying to do everything, so you know, stick with us. We'll get through the cartoons, and then we'll get to the really good stuff. Now, it turns out the cartoons were amazing. The cartoons had some just, I mean, horrible animation, certainly, yeah. but incredible storytelling. Um, so that was that was very surprising. There are actually a couple of episodes of the animated series that I've gotten back to just to watch for the heck of it. So it's interesting because, unfortunately, I will be the first to admit I don't remember probably anything about any of the animated episodes. Mm-hmm. I've never really, I've never gone back and rewatched them. So yeah. I, I and I think the reason is what you just said. The animation is just I mean it's yeah, but early I mean, or late seven early eighties or something. But it's it never it never grabbed me. No mid seventies. But I mean here's the thing: you've got everybody except for uh, Chekhov. First of all, so you've got all the voices with the exception of Chekhov, and then you've got um, just I mean really just some amazing stories. So Magic of Megas two. They go to the center of the galaxy and they meet this guy who looks like the devil. And it turns out he is what he's he's where we got the idea of the devil. This guy is. So on Saturday morning at eight, eight thirty, they're telling all these kids, hey, don't worry about it. The devil's not the devil. <laughs> and the thing is, if you're telling kids the devil's not the devil, you're also telling kids, you know, and so maybe God's not. Uh, <laughs> what What's that word? God. And, you know, and it's like happening, like, and, and, you know, coming up next, banana splits. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of amazing. There was, there was actual, uh, there was real sort of philosophy in some of it. And there's also innuendo. I mean, it's, it's, they were making Star Trek and, and, but it's like they were making Star Trek with a super eight millimeter camera and, you know, <laughs> and, 
and no costumes and bad, but but still amazing stories. And lots of Jimmy Doohan. Lots, lots, yeah, lots. Of, uh, James Doohan and uh, and Michelle Nichols were like ninety percent of the voices. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that Next Gen is your trek. Yeah. Do you enjoy watching it as much now that you're examining it much more critically? Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. I was. I mean, I was older certainly by the time Next Gen came on. I was in my um, late teens, I guess. But it was still just sort of a, like a fun thing to watch. I would imagine it made me think. But I mean, yes, I still enjoy it. But I mean, we're watching it in a very different way now. I don't. There's very few things that I, you know, oh, I like that so much. I'm going to watch it three more times this week. <laughs> So I mean, we do we do go at it with a uh, with a certain um, rigor, I guess, that we might not otherwise. But um, yeah, I still I still very much enjoy it, especially when I hit on an episode that I you know, vaguely remember or don't remember at all, which with my memory is fairly fairly frequent. <laughs> I understand that all too well. Mm. Um, on that note, we asked John this question, so I'm going to ask you the same question. Is there ever an episode that you remember really liking or really not liking originally, but when you had to rewatch it to examine it for the show, your opinion changed? Is there a specific one that comes to mind? Um, I can't really answer this question well. Uh, there is one in particular that involves uh, something called an exocomp or an exobot or something like that. And I, I hated that episode. I hated that episode and we have not gotten to it yet. Yeah. So I'm assuming I'm still going to hate it <laughs> because at, it, as memory serves. So when Rod Roddenberry asked me to do this show, my flip answer was, so basically you want to pay me to do what I did all through my 20s, which was I would sit and watch an episode of Star Trek and reruns at this point. I watched an episode of TNG and reruns with my roommate. And then he and I would talk for like three hours. So, of course, we had to pare it down. It couldn't be three hours. But we'd sit and talk about it for forever. And I remember one time we watched the Exocomp episode, and I was like, this has been done. I mean, they've done this a million times already, and they've done it better. And we could actually name episodes at the time where they had done it better. So I'm not looking forward to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't – I can't. I mean, that's, that's, that's sort of my preemptive answer in a way. Um, I can't think of one recently. I know that I was never one of the people who hated Diana Muldaur. I never hated Pulaski, and and I came away still not hating Pulaski. In fact, I think she had a little bit more to offer than I realized at the time. That's interesting. Um, again, I was a 17-year-old boy, so she replaced Gates McFadden, and that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, having said that, uh, it's it's taking Crusher a lot longer than I remembered uh, to, to sort of become a real character as opposed to a, a stand-in for, oh, well, we need a woman. We need a mother for Wesley. Yep. So, so here's Gates McFadden. Um, Pulaski was actually more of a character in her one season than, than, um, than, uh, than Beverly has been, at least through the first season and a half that she's been there. But then there have been a couple of wonderful scenes, uh, both between her and, um, Picard and between her and, um, Wesley that have sort of redeemed that. Uh, but it's, it's really hit or miss. Interesting. It seems like. <clears throat> well, we have you on the show because this is our special part two Wreath of Khan episode. And um, yes. you've mentioned in the past that Star Trek II is your holiday movie. Yes. Um, how did you begin that tradition of watching Wrath of Khan during Christmas time? It is 
Um, it is completely, it was, it was, it's a VCR. We, we got our first VCR when I was Christmas of, I don't remember if I was 15 or 16. But my, my stepfather actually, either my stepfather, or my mother, I don't know which, was fairly forward thinking. I thought, okay, so we're going to open up this VCR on Christmas morning and there's going to be nothing to watch because we don't have a VCR. So my mom took me and my little brother. I don't have no clue what he rented because he's 10 years younger than I am. So it was like probably something with He-Man or some kind of cartoon or something. I don't know. It took us to the, the local video place. And and we joined, and I got to rent two movies. I can't tell you what the other one was, but the one I rented was uh, was Wrath of Khan. And I watched it, um, again, having seen it already, I watched it uh, on Christmas Eve, I think, while I was wrapping presents, and that just became a tradition. So it still is. So it's not even a holiday movie. It's not like, you know, I'll watch It's a Wonderful Life sometime. I'll watch A Christmas Story sometime. I'll watch Wrath of Khan on Christmas Eve. Awesome. That's and awesome. That's, that's that's when that happens and that, and that's how that started. I would have no problem if TBS had a 24-hour marathon of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan instead of a Christmas story. I love Christmas story. It's one of my favorite ones. But uh, it's yeah. funny also, Ken, that you mentioned that because you just made me flash back to when I was a, uh, I, uh, either just about to turn my teens or, or just um, in my teen years when we got our very first VCR, those big giant ones. You got the Star Trek. You got to watch Star Trek Wrath of Khan. I got National Geographic's The Namib Desert. Wow. I will never forget that because I'm like, oh, <laughs> so we get to watch snakes and scorpions and stuff on screen for our first VCR rental. And that's your Christmas Eve, huh? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's the way I am. That's why I'm why I am, Bill. Why do your parents hate you, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I started watching Wrath of Khan pretty much whenever I had downtime as a kid. We yeah. got a VCR. It, it took forever. I think we were like the last family on the block to finally get a VCR. And one of the first movies my mom ever got was Dirty Dancing. So I was subjected to that time and again until I recorded Wrath of Khan off TV. And I was so vigilant to hit pause whenever it went to commercial and then to make sure that you know the VCR didn't just stop because some of them would do that if you left it on pause for too long. Yeah. And I would watch that TV cut over and over and over. I think I wore that thing out finally. I don't even, honestly, I rented it for years. I don't know why I never bought it, but I didn't. I, I, I in fact, I may have just, I may actually own my first version of Wrath of Khan only for the past three years, I think. I think it was actually running it or something. I mean, I know there were some years that I missed. I mean, I know there have to have been because. I didn't have a VCR and there were no DVD players at the time. I mean, so it's not, it's, it's not been every single year since I was whatever, 14, 15, however old I was, but for the past several, certainly. And of course, now that people know about it on mission log, it's going to like, I'm practically required to watch it now on, on Christmas Eve, which is fine. Cause I like it, but you know, can't, can't miss it for anything now. I feel certain. Well, I, I think Dan will probably be checking up on you in, in the year's future. I'm just, yes. Yep. I'll send my little exocomps out to check on you. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ken, Uh, there are qualities in this movie that seem sort of contrary to the whole idea of, you know, Gene's vision, trademark, and in quotes. mm -hmm. You know, you guys touched on this a little bit when you talked about Wrath of Khan and Mission Log. I mean, this film endures as the best of all of the Star Trek films among fandom. You know, there's more realistic violence, there's blood, there's eels, you know, boring their way into people's brains. 
There's yeah. more militaristic and naval feel about Starfleet. And it's a Star Trek that's less about the exploration we knew it to be on TV and even in the motion picture. Um, but yet, we love it because it is what it is. And it's not necessarily that prototypical Gene's vision. Um, yeah. Are, are we as fans, well, I mean, we, there are even fans who criticize the JJ movies for not having those very same qualities, you know, about exploration and all that, that, that I just mentioned. Are we right to put it on as high a pedestal as we are as fans? I think so, because it comes so late in the game, right? I mean, they're going, they're original series episodes, and don't ask me to name them because you know me, um, but they're original series episodes. It's just like, yeah, this is exciting, and or you know, th- th- or this is comical. That one I can name, Cat's Paw. It's not really comical, <laughs> or, or scary, or whatever it's supposed to be. But or good, it, <laughs> or good. Yeah, um, it's none of those things. But but uh, we know those characters at that point, and so you can have an episode that doesn't necessarily uh, conform. Now, if the if the CBS series that's coming out is just all you know, shoot 'em up, bang bang. That'll be disappointing. If it's if if it's half and half, I think we'll be lucky. And if it's you know seventy five percent vision and exploration and twenty five percent shoot 'em up, then we'll be insanely lucky. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, we know we know Spock and we know Kirk and we know Bones at that point. We don't know Savick, which is kind of exciting. We're getting backstory on Kirk. Um. But it's okay to get backstory on him at that point because we've known him for so long. Um, that's kind of an interesting thing. And they do, they do, I mean, uh, the, the uniforms in the original, uh, sorry, in the motion picture were like a disco, you know, kind of threw off. <laughs> and, and so you get, you get sort of a unifying look of the whole thing as well. I mean, there's, there's a lot about it that I think is absolutely wonderful to see. And you get con. I mean, you get to revisit something that happened in the, in the series before. Um, so all that stuff is really neat. And and you actually – one of the arguments – and I guess this could have actually been my answer to the question about what was surprising as well. I I kept uh, – when we were doing the motion – well, all the movies for Mission Log, I kept um, comparing the Star Trek series negatively – or positively, excuse me. I was comparing the Star Trek series positively to the Lethal Weapon movies because – the Lethal Weapon movies just kept throwing in more people and adding in more stuff, and the jokes got dumber, and there was absolutely no growth. If anything, they were just... I mean, it became like a Three Stooges movie. Lethal Weapon was actually a really good movie. Um, fascinating character development, and and that and that's all the character development from those four or five, however many movies there were, is in that one. They grow the characters from the original series through all six of those movies. Um even Star Trek V. <laughs> they grow. They, I mean, they're, they're changed. There's real things happening to those characters. It's not just, okay, let's put the guys in front of a camera and you know, blow some stuff up around them. Um, so, I mean, that would be my defense of it. I mean, it's it's not... Yeah, I mean, that would be my defense of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's the original characters. It's a ripping good yarn. And, um, I mean, no, it doesn't have... Honestly, I think Star Trek V, philosophically brought more to the table than Star Trek 2, but Star Trek 2 was awesome. It, it hit that sweet spot between uh, Star Trek and Star Wars, honestly. Yeah. Fair enough. You, um, you mentioned Savick quickly. Do you think that they did enough with her character in that one? And or, and or do you think that the way they handled her in Star Trek 3 hurt her character? I've always been torn as how I felt about um, her portrayal in Star Trek 3 
versus her portrayal in two. I thought in two, they didn't really um, tackle her backstory enough in the uncut or excuse me, in the, in the cut theatrical version of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you think that if you agree with that or disagree and what did you think, how they handled it in her and Star Trek three? Cause I thought Star Trek three was kind of uh, uh, not a very, a very well uh, done way to handle her. Cause she barely was, mm-hmm. she didn't really have a lot to do. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about Star Trek Four at the very at the very beginning when they sent her when they uh, left for Earth. Sorry. Yeah, when they t- when they when she just said goodbye when they didn't even talk about the fact that she was pregnant with Spock's child. Yes. <laughs> um, which I didn't realize until we were going over the movies this time. Um, so I mean, they definitely didn't do enough with her in Star Trek Four, but Star Trek Four was sort of about like when we went down and getting it back to the original characters in a way, right? Um, no, that's 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 cool. It's um. You know what's weird? I've never really thought much about her character as far as, like, they should have done more, they should have done less with that. Mm-hmm. So, pass. Okay. <laughs> if I may. That's all right. All right. Yeah. Jeez. I was always dismayed that, that Savick didn't come back in six, and instead we got Valeris. Oh, I understand yes. the two characters serve different purposes, but I thought it would have been nice to tie it together at the end, but that's just me. Well, that would also be, that would be counter uh, Gene's old vision, though, right? I mean, she's a good, she's a good guy, especially if she's going to end up being um, the mother of Spock's child. Now, you see, the only part that, honestly, this is going to be terrible, but again, I was a, I was a teenage boy. Um, Robin Duke is no Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley went in like 1982 to 1987, right? And, and, and I just, I, I, I had a hard time buying her in that role actually just because there was something there was something about uh Kirstie Alley and it, it wasn't just it wasn't just I don't think anyway <laughs> it was just that I found her attractive and there was something about there was something about the way she played it I never felt like uh Savick was Savick after that in a way no I agree yeah, I, I would say I agree and that's probably the reason I feel the way I do because it was not Kirstie in the, in the, in the next two movies yeah maybe oh, so alright so let's go back in time or, or to a parallel universe, perhaps, whichever you prefer, and assume for a moment that Ricardo Montalban passed on playing Khan in Wrath of Khan. And at that point, the studio decided they wanted to go in a different direction and not do Khan. What original series episode would you have liked them to see in a sequel to if they were going to do that? Oh, wow. Cat's Paw. <laughs> what was that? Cat's Paw. Yeah, make it, make it good. From the people who brought you Friday the Thirteenth, and um, golly, I don't know. Corbin might maneuver is perfect, so I would not want to see. I don't care what happens to Balak after that because I assume everything's fantastic uh, with them. I love Trelane. I think it might have been interesting to see him different, older, and certainly vexing those characters in a way that he had before. Um, I can't help but think he's sort of precursor to Q in a way. Right. And yep. so that might have been kind of a neat thing to see before we got Q. Um, golly, that, that, that might be the one. I don't know. I haven't, well, you, you ask really good questions that I haven't thought about at all. <laughs> there's a, there's a reason why we're number two and mission log is way above <laughs> us at number one. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's, it's an awesome. Of course, John and I have the whole thing of like, we don't, we try not to think about what's not on the screen, right? We are trying to think about what's being presented to us. And so 
occasionally we'll do the whole thing of like, yeah, I want to read the novel about that. Yeah. Like, okay, like, yes, okay, I would like to read, but this is not really a Star Trek story. That's the thing. I've always wanted to know more about uh, the Archons uh, and, and Return of the Archons. And it turns out, actually, I accidentally bought, I feel terrible about it, I accidentally bought one of the IDW comic books. Where they did Return of the Archons, uh, but with, you know, Zachary Kento and Chris Pine, that whole thing. The problem is I bought it to make, uh, to make cards for people. So I had cut like half the thing up before I realized, oh, they're doing that story that I always said I wish I knew more of this story. Well, crap. Because, you know, sorry. there are no more copies in existence, so you can never read it now. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I probably actually I couldn't get the IDW. You see, I don't really care that much, though. That's <laughs> right. I, I did read a couple of panels where I was like, oh, I'm not sure I like where that's going. Granted, I didn't read the whole thing, but just a couple of panels that I actually stopped to read. I was sort of like, yeah, I don't know. But uh, that might have been that's that's an interesting story I would like to know more about. But that wouldn't be that's not exactly answering the question that you're talking about. Oh, that's all right. You you mentioned two things. Uh, one of the things that Bill and I talk about a lot, I love to read a lot of the novels that, that they put out. And you touched on two points that are actually very strong novel tie-ins. One, there's a Star Trek Next Generation novel where you find out that Trelane is actually one of the continuum. He's a that's he's right. a child, which I thought was interesting. It was written by Peter David, I believe. It was called Q and Law, I think. I'm, I may be wrong on the title. But there was also a Mirror Universe um, novel where um, Baylock and the First Federation um, were heavily involved, uh, and it was a they, they massacred Starfleet and they had Chekhov and McCoy hanging by the gallows in front of Starfleet headquarters. It was pretty gruesome. It was pretty cool too. Huh, interesting. So, what was yeah. that called again? The <laughs> I unfortunately I don't remember the titles. Um, it was actually a William Shatner written novel, uh, the Mirror Universe one, which dealt with the uh, First Federation, and I believe mm-hmm. the other one was Q and Law. But I'd have to double check if that's the one that has Trelane in it. Q and Law sounds right to me. I had not heard of the other one though. I'm you see, it's interesting. I never thought the First Federation was actually a thing. I thought it was just something that um, Balak was making up. Oh yeah, no. In the Mirror Universe, it's a whole. They got a whole story backstory about it it was pretty pretty cool that's interesting man i hope they don't do the mirror universe for the jj movies sorry <laughs> I, I love the mirror universe but i have to agree with you they have yeah. those in the idw comics actually yeah do they really yeah all right so so i'm going to test you again uh ken uh we had uh as we talked about before we had larry nemechek on last week mm-hmm. for part one and I think for the first time in recorded history, he was rendered speechless. And I was had the honor of rendering him speechless for a good five or ten seconds um, because I asked him the following question. Um, what is your favorite scene in The Wrath of Khan? And what is your least favorite scene in The Wrath of Khan? And why for both questions? What is my favorite scene? What is my least favorite scene? Well, how do you not do the death scene. I mean, it's, it's, um, it, it's an amazing moment, although it sort of leads right into the, uh, the, um, the funeral as well. I mean, when, when Shatner has that, that line, although it doesn't make me cry. It's weird. I know so many people who say that makes them cry and I can actually point to two other things and do other Star Trek movies that make me cry or one in particular, but least favorite. I, Hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure which is my least favorite. There may not uh, be one. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think, is there is there a part where I get up to go freshen my eggnog? <laughs> get more tape for the wrapping paper. 
there's a there's a bad delivery. There's a bad delivery um, from um, Walter Koenig when he hands off to uh, to um, Winfield, Paul Winfield, Captain. Uh, the whole, yes, when he does the whole, um, but the captain was strong. And the, the captain, I mean, it's obviously, and that's, that, that's so nitpicking, but that's, that's like the one that every time I see that, I'm sort of like, eh, <laughs> they, they could have done another pass on that part. And that's, that's, that is so nitpicking, but only because you asked me that, you know, what, what's the bad scene? And that's not even, it's not even that bad. It's just sort of a, it's sort of an awkward read, I think. Mine's uh, a, mine's oh, a wait a minute, too. I, I forgive me. There, there's also the fact that Khan remembers Chekhov's face, even though Khan never saw Chekhov. I mean, that, that annoys me. <laughs> Oh, Bill's dancing. <laughs> oh, that, that that definitely gets me. My my least favorite is a nitpick too, and it's uh, it's the line where Shatner says, "Don't mince words, Bones." What do you really think? Because I think he's a little too subtle on it. Okay. Really? It, yeah, I do. I, I think it if he delivered it far or just slightly more sarcastically, it would be more indicative of the relationship between Kirk and Bones. So I think that- he almost to me, he almost sounds like he's fretting. You see, that actually, I, that always reads perfectly to me. Okay. That always reads just absolutely as it should to me. There's, in fact, that, and that was another, uh, I guess, sort of surprising thing that you had, that you had asked about earlier. I can't remember which episode it is. I can never remember which episode, but somebody comes in and demands something of the Enterprise in the original series. And Shatner did a funny response. And I think the, the response was just, anything else? And it's like, so, and it was, it was very sort of the same sort of sarcasm, but you know, sort of an understated sarcasm. I really, I've actually always loved that uh, "don't mince mince words" huh. uh, thing. Interesting. Yeah. My my uh, my least favorite is along the lines of what you were saying, but it's because I'm kind of claustrophobic. I've always hated the scene when they first find them. Uh, on regular one and they're kind of like stuffed in that box and they open the door and like check off kind of falls out that one always that one always just it, ugh, ugh. <laughs> it's just my claustrophobia coming out <clears throat> that's well that's not a bad scene though it's just i mean it actually it touches a nerve for you right yeah. exactly my favorite probably is the entire discussion on the genesis device in kirk's quarters all the way through the attack of the reliant on the enterprise um, that whole segment, I would just watch over and over and over, and I had it timed for for re- rewinding on the VHS almost <laughs> perfectly. I could hold that thing down and know exactly when to let it go, and it would just start playing instantly. And I I've probably watched that whole sequence more than I've watched the entire movie, and I've watched the movie a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have I have a similar uh, time frame of of my favorite scene and and for a different reason though my, the first time that uh, the Reliant opens fire on the Enterprise is my favorite scene in the movie because of the music the musical score during that that five minutes or whatnot is some of the best music in any of the any of the films and uh, it's its own character almost um, and it really it really gives a lot of emotion to it and of course the acting by Ricardo and and everybody else is fantastic during that so that's my favorite scene. I have to say though, I uh, like you, Ken. I I didn't cry when when Spock died. I yeah. I shed a tear when the Enterprise blew up in Star Trek Three. I'm not going to lie about that. That one that one disturbed me. Um, th- no, the one that made me the one that actually made me tear up when we were going back and watching doing the movies for um doing the movies for Mission Log was when uh, Captain Kirk says goodbye to Captain Sulu at the end of Star Trek Six. That actually, I was it was like that was a long time coming 
for him to uh, you know be an equal and and the fact that they address it is i mean it wasn't like get out of here you nut or you know they didn't thank him or any of that stuff you know it's just like they were they were they were two equals and again that's part of the whole growing almost every character i don't really know that Chekhov grew a whole lot and <laughs> I, don't, Bill. <laughs> I don't know that scotty grew a whole lot either unless you count that uh relationship that he <laughs> supposedly had in star trek five <laughs> i know right <laughs> but, um, but i mean sulu grows certainly and, and of course spock and um mccoy you get some interesting backstory i'm not sure that mccoy grows but we learn a lot more uh about him and, and of course uh uh, Kirk does, which is kind of funny because he spends zero time growing in the original series. But again, that's that was sort of one of the amazing things about the movies in general. Right. We uh, we we did an episode recently where we each picked five characters that we thought Star Trek could do without. Hmm. And um, the number one on my list uh, actually was Chekhov. Hmm. Um, partly because I just I I never liked the character. I love Walter Koenig. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I thought the character didn't necessarily add a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, considering you know, the reason for his creation, essentially to, to bring kids in from the network. Right. Um, I it just, it, it never really worked for me personally. At the same time though, you kind of kind of love the fact that at the height of the cold war, they put a Russian on the bridge. Right. I Absolutely. mean, it could have been any Russian, Yeah. but, um, Okay, so would you rather see him or would you rather see him rest on the bridge? Because uh, <laughs> the whole purr thing got really annoying after that's, that's a good. That's a good point. Uh, I would like to see, I suppose, either of them other than Mr. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm sorry if I made you spit out whatever you were drinking. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, now, Carl was sort of okay. Uh, th- th- that's one of the failings in the movies. That actually could be a failing of uh, of Star Trek too. Honestly, hey, there's there's Kyle. What's he doing there? <laughs> <laughs> well, they had to put him somewhere, and you know, yeah. nice, so good. But same thing with Rand, and same thing with with the Chapel. Actually, in the movies, sort of like, oh, hey, wouldn't it be neat to see these characters again? Well, in some sort of context, maybe. I mean, the only time we saw Chapel really do anything in the movies is when the in the motion picture, and she killed two people on a transporter pad. For God's sake! When that was that her Rand, Rand, that was Rand, 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 Rand. Sorry, I meant Rand. And she did not kill them. No, that's the thing. <laughs> yes, I Shatner shoves her aside, <laughs> and then he turns to her and says, "There's nothing you can do." And she's like, well, no, especially from the back of the room. <laughs> where you shoved me but yeah. you know yeah well and, and chapel comes in in motion picture and fixes Chekhov's burn or tries to before Ilya says uh, I got this yeah <laughs> that's great like, uh, the, the pain is gone <laughs> thank you <laughs> So, so we don't get on a checkoff rant here, Ken. Um, where can folks find you on social media? Um, so we, I'm sure that you've got your fans on Mission Log and everything, but where can folks find you online? Uh, well, Mac OS Ken has been the thing that I've done forever. Um, it actually turns 10 um, wow. Wow. next month. So Mac OS Ken tends to be the way to find That's Instagram. Um, I believe there's a Mac OS Ken page on Facebook, but somebody else started it, not me. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not sure if it's still going, but that's kind of cool that somebody started that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Mac OS Ken is, is, uh, is the best way to look for me. Awesome. 
Ken, we uh, we can't thank you enough for being on. It's uh, it's great to finally get to talk to you more um, than we than we were able to in Vegas and get your thoughts on your holiday tradition and all the good things about uh, Rathacon. We can't wait to see you again in Vegas. Probably is when we'll see you next. But if we can figure out a way to do it other uh, other than before, then we'd love to do that. Um, if not, we will see you out in the desert, man. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to that as well. And thank you very much for uh, thank you very much for having me on. It was it was a lot of fun. All right. Happy holidays, sir. Definitely. You too. Uh, so, Bill, I think it's um, safe to say that when we have these awesome, famous guests on, I get a little, you know, you know, a little, you know, you know, oh, my God, it's Vic moment. Because how on earth I said that it was chapel in the transporter uh, controls instead of Yeoman Ran, I felt like a fool. <laughs> you are a fool. Thank you. I knew you were going to say that. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And if I didn't tell you, Crazy Joe was going to <laughs> call us and tell you. <laughs> yes. Yep. What uh, What a great time we had with Ken. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. He's 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 got a lot of information. Although almost a little bit of a Larry Nemechek speechless moment there. I think I'm two for two, brother. Yeah, that's let me tell you. That's great podcasting. <laughs> Make sure your guest has nothing to say. That's that's rule number one, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no. The, the uh, I'm not even going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you know, you can find Ken as he said, as Mac OS Ken on Twitter. He's been doing his podcast now for ten years. Oh, God. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That, that's that's pioneer level practically, yeah. Yeah. and um, he's he does a fabulous job at it. He he keeps his thumb on the pulse of of all Apple news, and he's he's fantastic. And we're just I feel lucky that we got him on Mission Log as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I've, I've enjoyed listening to them as we've gotten involved in podcasting over the past year. I've started listening to to them a lot, and um, they do a great job. They've got a great uh, they've got a great um, relationship. So like us, a little different than us and what we do, but you can tell that they enjoy working uh, together. And, and it's, uh, it was, it's now we've had both of them on. That's, I know. I mean, that's another feather right there for the cap. I'd say <laughs> they'll probably never come on again. <laughs> well, since the restraining order that John took out, <laughs> isn't that one on you now? Didn't he? Mine's gone. I don't have one anymore. Uh, did, did you get served with a notice that it was lifted? No. Okay. then. <laughs> So now we've got dual restraining orders. Excellent. And I don't think we'll be allowed near any of them anytime soon. <laughs> Security is going to be following us around in Vegas with a net. And I don't mean Funicello. But boom. Boom. Bada bing. Bada bing. Bada boom. That's a good episode. I like that one. That's a, uh, yeah, DS9. Yeah. So, good. so Dan, um, it's the holidays. This is our last new episode of 2015. Wow. We will reconvene most likely on Tuesday, January 12th, mm-hmm. when we drop a new episode. So we're taking a little bit of a holiday break, but we'll be back January 12th, just in time for our one-year anniversary. a couple of weeks later. My God, a whole year. It's hard to believe we started this odyssey almost a year ago. Yeah. Um, and now it's, it's Christmas time. So do you have any big plans for Christmas this year? Well, we do something every year. We do kind of the same thing as I'm up in Maine. Um, and my family is down in your neck of the woods in New Hampshire. Um, usually what we do for Christmas is we do Christmas here at our house with the wife and kids, and we'll go visit my in-laws um, and just kind of chill 
kind of a chilling out type of couple of days. What we then normally do is the next week, usually it's New Year's weekend or New Year's uh, Eve weekend, we'll go down to Nashua and we'll have a big get together with the entire family on my side. We got 20 people that'll be there, all the kids, all the adults, and have a few days of just get together and having fun. And we have a, a second Christmas down there. So that's what, that's what the plan is this year. Um, last year we did kind of a surprise and we actually drove down to Nashua on Christmas day and showed up my aunt's um, where everyone was for Christmas dinner. And that was, that was a big surprise for my mom. So that was a, that was a memory. A little tear comes up. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool. We're not doing that this year, mom. So don't get any of your hopes up. Wow. Your mom listens. I would hope so. <laughs> I'll have to check. <laughs> Just let that thought keep you warm, buddy. <laughs> yeah. What about you, man? What are you up to? We, um, we're going to actually try to stay home this Christmas. So mm-hmm. we're going to probably, uh, see Kelly's parents Christmas Eve. Yep. And then we'll, we'll probably see my mom at some point Christmas day. It's, she's usually one of my other sister's houses, but mm-hmm. you know, before what we would do is we get up in the morning and then we head over to see my mom and then we come back and we let our dog out for a, you know, a quick potty break. And then mm-hmm. we get back in the car and head to Kelly's parents and spend the rest of the day there. Um, primarily because we spend Thanksgiving with my relatives down in Georgia. Yep. And, you know, we wouldn't get to celebrate Christmas ourselves until like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And at that point, it's almost bedtime for us. Right. Yeah. So we'd wind up doing most of our stuff the day after. So we're going to try it a little different this year and see if we can create some new traditions. Uh, we'll see if we can also get my whole family together after Christmas, maybe like early January for maybe an ugly sweater party slash Yankee swap, which would be kind of ah, cool. Nice. Do you have any ugly sweaters? Um, Besides I, the one that you're wearing right now? Wow. Uh- <laughs> it's just green. Maybe it's you. Wow. Wow. Two. That's two right then. I did uh I did buy my <laughs> wife a, an ugly Festivus sweater. Nice. For this year because she's a Seinfeld fan. And yep. she's gonna wear it on the twenty third of December. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> I do not have any ugly sweaters. No, just an ugly face. Yes, no, yeah. I was waiting for that one. Thank yeah. you very much. Boom, boom, your, boom. your face. <laughs> It wouldn't be an episode of Trek Geeks if we didn't laugh at ourselves. That's true. Of course, that's not really the right thing to do in podcasts. But you know what? Who cares? We have fun. <laughs> well, um, I, I know that – well, I, I like to take a moment to uh, to wish everyone who downloads and listens to, to Trek Geeks the, the happiest of holidays. Dan and I celebrate Christmas, so we tend to approach it from that vein. But certainly, whatever holiday you celebrate – or if you celebrate whatever brings joy into your homes this season, whether it's family or friends or great food or music or all of the above, or maybe a holiday movie tradition, may all of your homes um, have nothing but joy and merriment this season. And I personally wish you all nothing but the best of, of holidays and a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Very well put, my friend. Um, I would say, the same thing. Um, I will add that, you know, people ask, oh, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, I got to say that one of the greatest gifts that I've received over the past year is that we have built a listening base and people that listen to us and support us and enjoy listening to just two geeks talk about Star Trek is a is a tremendous gift to me because it it's it's just it's one of those things like, wow, they're actually, you know, taking their time out of their day to listen to the two of us talk. And that means a lot. So I thank everybody who's done that over the past year. Um, I hope that we can bring you much more over the coming years. And as long as I'm sitting here with this goofball, I'll be happy to do it. 
Uh, so say we all, to, yeah. uh, to paraphrase Richard Hatch. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I, uh, so uh, I would like to wish you a very Merry Christmas, my friend. Uh, I hope you have a great uh, holiday. Uh, it's sad that we're going to be off for a couple of weeks, but um, I know that we'll be uh, busy thinking up things of what we're going to talk about come January, and it will be an um, enjoyable time off, but we will be back at it in early January, ready to go for year number two, season two. <laughs> well, look at it this way. The next time we reconvene, we will be in the 50th anniversary year of Star Trek. Very we will point. be in the year where a new movie is released, and we will be one year out from a new Star Trek series wow. on CBS All Access. So there's a that's lot awesome. that's going to happen in the next year, and we can't wait to experience it all with every single one of you who listens. So Absolutely. Uh, may you all have a happy and prosperous 2016. And with that, we probably should put a wrap on episode 42. Dan, why don't you tell our friends out in the ether of the internet how they can reach us with holiday greetings or suggestions for future episodes or just general mirth and merriment? Absolutely, yes. As always, we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype. Our handle is Trek Geeks. You can send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com, or you can also give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 508-784-1701. Also on our trekgeeks.com page, you can click on the blue button and leave us a voice message right there, which is kind of cool, and that's a new feature that we're pretty proud of. Uh, individually, if you want to send Bill a tweet, his handle is at trekgeekbill, and if you want to send me a message on Twitter, my handle is at dcdds9. Uh, also, go over to Facebook and join our group called Camp Kittimer. The address is facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and we will let you write in, and we invite everybody as my dogs click-clack past me here on this uh, Christmas uh, season. Uh, hi, hi. Callie wants to say hi in the mic, so she's trying to say hi. Um, but, yeah, Camp Kittimer is there for you. Um, come right over. Just remember that any comments or messages you leave us uh, may be used uh, in future episodes in 2016. And beyond. Like Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. That's um, okay. We'd also like to take this opportunity to give our sincere thanks to the band Five Year Mission. Um, every episode, we are fortunate enough to use their music to make our podcast sound better. And they have been incredibly supportive of us in, in this effort. So we yep. can't thank them enough. We hope you'll all go out to fiveyearmission.net. Get yourself a copy of every single album they have. Is that fair? Very fair. Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, listen to it and, you know, let CBS and Creation Entertainment know that you want Five Year Mission back as the house band for STLV 50 in August. Yes. That would be prime. We would prime. love you for it. And Dan, yes. Dan would be willing to sing songs to you if you do that. As Aaron Neville. As Aaron Neville. There you go. That's the a commitment. You heard it here first. That's a Trek yeah. Geeks exclusive. I'm going to have to talk to Fark. Maybe we can do a track and I can do an episode of As Aaron Neville. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Captain's Law. <laughs> you need to wow. come up with a special Trek Geeks song <laughs> yeah, that you sing as Aaron Neville. That's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and we'll, we'll state again that uh, we'll be back... We're going to change our drop day from Sunday to Tuesday. So the next time we will drop an episode is Tuesday, January 12th, 2016. Excellent. So circle the dates on the calendars, kids, because we'll be back. 
until then, please, all of you, um, have a wonderful Christmas and Happy New Year, and please live long and prosper. He drinks it. He drinks it, and I shall have him. I'll chase him round the moons of hazelnut and round the latte's dark foam and round the brewer's flames before I give him up. Prepare to drink the coconut. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Wi-Fi, right? Uh, you know what? I don't know if I am on this machine. No, I'm not. <clears throat> I am not. I'm on hardwire. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you're hardwire. <sighs> so, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's the phone. <clears throat> I, I figured that. Yeah. Because I heard oh, the phone and I heard talking. Oh, okay. Cool. That's a good mic, isn't it? You picked out a good mic. How far away is your mic from you? Because it's almost a little too hot. It is. You should probably try to move it about half that distance toward you. Toward me? Toward you. How's that? Much better. So, yeah. so the further away it is, the more you sound like you're in a tin can. Oh, that's what you mean by hot. Okay. Yeah. All right. I thought you meant it was too loud. Well, that that too, but I mean, I can compensate for that on my end. Oh, okay. So this is better. Yes. The closer it is to you, the better. How's this? I'm going <laughs> to kill you. Okay. <clears throat> All right.